Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. of the Lord is in this place. Amen. God is good to us and we give him all praise and all glory. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Uh, Have you brought your Bible with you today? Got your Bible with you? All right. Let's make our confession as we go before the Lord. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, that sounds good. Give me one more of those. Hallelujah. Amen. Open the Bible with me this morning as we turn to 1 John chapter 5, as we're going to be. 1 John chapter 5 and along about verse 18, and we're reading from you in just a moment here. And I've got something that's on my heart. It's really been on my heart for quite a while, and uh, I'm going to be sharing it with you today. And uh, in addition to that, uh, I was working on the, the series that uh, this may be the foundation for that series. And as I was working on that, I, I got pushed away to where the Lord took me in the direction I'm going to go in today. And so uh, I'm giving you something that uh, is on my heart, that has been in my mind, my spirit. I mean, when you look at uh, the world that we are in right now and what's taking place in our world, not just America, but all over the world, but, but certainly America, uh, you, I'm, I'm hearing this again and again and again about uh, different people have said it. Things like when they look at stuff that's going on and say, well, well that's just crazy. That's just crazy. And today, people's minds are working on a level of craziness that I have not seen since my uncle was in Bull Street about 40-some years ago. But anyway, I have not seen that level of craziness. It, it is an unreal thing. And it's gotten to the point today that, that, that people are injuring themselves and deforming themselves and all kind of things, and not only, not only adults, but, but children, little precious children. I mean, and, and so the, the world clearly is not thinking right. And so I begin to look at that and think, well, why is it that the world is not thinking right? What is it that causes the world not to think right? And I begin to think that when I was in grammar school uh, many years ago, in the uh, early 60s, in grammar school, and uh, during that time, we had in our schools something we called morning devotionals, and in the morning devotionals, we would read the Word of God, and you usually would pick a student somewhere in the room to stand up and, and read the Word. You would have someone else stand up and lead us in prayer, 
then we would turn to the wall and face the flag and we would say the Pledge of Allegiance. Remember those days? And we would say the Pledge of Allegiance. And then also we would see in, in our classroom the Ten Commandments telling me what you shall not do and what you shall do. And all of that, first, in the 60s, it was a different, a lot of things went on in the 60s, but in, in the area of morality, it was different than it is today by far. And what happened was, was first prayer was taken out of the school. Then on the heels of that, the Word of God, Bible reading was taken out of schools. And then we move up into the 70s, and it was 73 when Sheila and I were, were married. It was in October 26th. In fact, next week's our anniversary, next Wednesday. But uh, in that year of 73 is when abortion became legal as the law of the land by the Supreme Court in the 73. And you can see from that time all the way down to this time, things have just gotten crazier and crazier. You, you can look back and you can see several different things that took place as early as 1969 and things that went on into the 70s and the 80s uh, with, with homosexuality and, and then, then later it went from that to uh, gay marriage and, and now it's grafted from gay marriage to um, these trans kind of things where people are, are changing their physical bodies. I mean, heard a testimony of a little girl just a few weeks ago and she talked about a precious little girl 15 years old uh, and just speaking the truth to you and she had her breasts removed because she didn't think she was a little girl at 15. At 16 she found out she was a girl but now she's already done the, the damage to her body. And what's gonna, I mean, and, and you can go back that that's not even old now there's some younger than that and, and we, we live in a, a world where Things don't make sense anymore. Things are not understandable. They're not reasonable. You used to could look in the early 70s, and, and even before that, really, even the two parties that we have, Republican, Democrat, you would hear people make their different arguments. You, you, you would hear in those days now, in those days, you would hear the Republican Party say, well, you know, if, if we cut taxes and and let the businesses have more money, then the businesses can build plants and manufacturers and hire employees, and those employees that get more money, and then they can grow the economy. On the other side, the argument was, from, from the Democrat side was, no, let's don't do that. Let, let's uh, give more of the money. Let's tax more of the folks that are wealthy and give that money uh, to the people who are workers, and then they'll buy more products, and if they do, then that'll cause people to build businesses and uh, the, the economy. So it was two different philosophies. And you could sort of reason and logic between the two of them, which you felt would be the best. Today, it's not that way. People have absolutely gone nuts today. I mean, it, it is a crazy, crazy world that we live in out there. And so what is going on? What is happening? Several months ago, Jonathan Kahn wrote a book called The Return of the Gods. And he talks a lot about this in that book. And I want to share some things with you. And the things that he's talking about have to do with the gods or the forces of evil that have entered our world and in entering our world have caused men to think differently. Demonic influence. It's not natural. It's not reasonable. It's not logical. 
demonic influence has invested itself in the minds of people worldwide and strongly in America. Whatever happens in America is going to be, you know, exported all over the world. Um, we sort of get it first, and then it goes out that way. And, and, and so it's happening all over the world. And the thing is this, people's minds are being devil and demon inspired. That's the only answer I've been able to come up with. It's the only understanding that is biblical and makes sense. Oh, wow, that's right. You, you can see it several times in the book of Daniel. Remember when the king Nebuchadnezzar, he, he lost his mind and he became as this animal creature for the next seven years. And he ate the grass and grew feathers and all, his, his body transformed around him. And then the Bible says that he came to himself. When his mind came back, the prodigal son, that's another one. The prodigal son was out living his life in riotous living. And the Bible says he came to himself. People are living better at my father's house now here. His mind changed back. And that is what is happening in the earth today. The minds of men and women have been affected by, if you will, in Jonathan Collins' word, the gods or devils and demons or fallen angels, whatever you, direction you want to go with that. They have been affected by demonic spirits in the earth today, and, and, and they don't think right. Their mind is not their own. They, they do not think right. And so I want to start you and me checking ourselves and to see what if our thinking is right. If we, in fact, because things don't happen just like that. There is a process where the enemy comes against us and he plants little small seeds that grow into giant harvests in our life. That's what he does. And so we need to cut him off at the seed level of implantation into our life. At the moment I begin to veer or you begin to veer this way or that way, we need to check ourselves and, and roll us back in. And, and so I'm going to talk about guarding against false gods. Because whether we know it or not, whenever we choose to do wrong or we choose to do evil or we have evil choices, it, there's always a devil behind it. There's always a spirit of wickedness that is behind it. We might call it one thing, but behind it is the devil. The enemy is there. In fact, let, let, let me, I'm going to go somewhere else. Just let, let, turn somewhere else. Let me go with me to, let's see, go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32. In Deuteronomy 32, and look at verse 16. When Moses wrote the book of Deuteronomy, and given the history and the count of the Jewish people up to that time, he told of the story and the time when they were worshiping false gods. Everybody say false gods. Gods that are not real, false gods, okay? And they're worshiping these false gods. And sometimes we will think and make light of things. We will say that I have this particular image in my house. Oh, it's just an image. It's not anything to it. Uh, Pastor, don't get upset about it. Or we will have a godlike thing, demonic-looking, around us, oh, that's nothing, nothing to a troll or this or that or the other, different things that we might have in our life, and there's nothing to that. And, and in reality, to, to those things, of, of course, there is nothing to it. It's just materials, just stone, wood, whatever the case may be. Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 20, that Paul talked about that, and he, he said that in offering things to idols. He said, we know these idols aren't anything. They're not anything in verse 19. They're not anything at all. He said, I understand that, but you've got to understand something. When you're offering something to an idol, something more is going on. 
Look what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 16. They provoked him, God, the Israelite people, provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. Strange gods. I've got a little image of a God just to set our mindset right here of a, of, a, of a false God. Baal, the God Baal. False God, Baal. Just to sort of give us our image of those things. And that's what we can relate to when we go back and we study Hebrew history and, in fact, world history. We can relate to those false gods that were there. And there were many of them. This is probably the chief one that, that I've got up there. But at, at the same time, notice it says strange gods. Every false god don't look like that. If you're saying, I don't worship a false god because I haven't bowed to an image like that, you're going to miss the point of what I'm talking to you about today. Because we can worship false gods and never even encounter an image like that. We've got other images that we replace that image with to become our God. The Bible said in Deuteronomy 32 verse 16, they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. Notice, and abominations provoked them, him to anger. You want to get God mad? You want to get him angry? Worship a false god. I mean, worship a false god and you will incur the wrath, the anger of God. Look at verse 17. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, but to gods, with an S, whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. They've got a little image right here, and this is a terrible image, but this is an image of Hebrews people who are, are making a sacrifice to the god Baal. And they've created this image of, of bronze that looks like a bull. And, and they've come and erected it, and now they're around it with their praise and their worship to that god. And now someone has come representing the people who has got a little baby in his arm. He's not dedicating that baby. If we went back now almost 4,000 years or 3,500, 3,000 years, well, 1,200 and 3,200 years, we went back that far right now. He's not dedicating that child unto the God or to the Lord. They're about to kill that baby. They're going to slit its throat, dismember it, and kill it, and put the blood on this bull God they've made. And if you're there, that's what you would see happen. Something more is happening. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 17, they sacrificed to that image of that thing. They sacrificed to what? Devils. Somebody say it. Devils. They sacrificed to devils, not to God, not Jehovah God, to devils, to gods with an S, little letter, gods of the earth, whom they knew not, to new gods. When they came out of Egyptian bondage, they had old gods over there. And when they come out of Egyptian bondage into Palestine and Phoenicia and the places over there right now, they find these other gods that are over here taken out over the land. And now they're beginning to worship these new gods that they found that they're going to worship. And so really what you're seeing image-wise with your eyes wide open, you're seeing this little woodcut, as it's called, of an image that I have here that you're seeing. But look past that and look to the spirit that is behind that god. For there are devils and demons that have drawn these people here. 
they didn't come on their own. They were drawn by the spirit of darkness. They were drawn by Lucifer, Satan, Beelzebub, Baal, B-A-A-L, Beelzebub. He's a chief of God. Jesus talked about him in the New Testament, Baal, Baal God. They're drawn by Baal and the spirits that are behind Baal that draw him there. Lester Summerall talked about, A.J. mentioned him earlier, he was a missionary evangelist that went into 70 countries of the world. Recently went home to be the Lord a number of, uh, several years ago out of Indiana. And, and so Lester Summerall told a story that he, in some of his travels, he saw when he got over into India and when he got over into China, places like that, he, he would see uh, this thing called the Buddha, the Buddha, the Buddha statue. And while he was looking at this giant-sized Buddha statue that they had and people would fall down and worship it, he was looking at it, observing it, and he walked around behind it, and he noticed there's a hole in the back of the Buddha statue, a hole back there. And the tour guide that was with them, he asked him, what's that hole for? And the tour guide told Lester Sumrall, that's the hole that the spirits enter into to empower and invest the Buddha. And so you think the same thing here. Yeah, you see an image, but something else is behind it. Something devilish, something demonic. A power of force is behind that thing. And you and I have to be very careful because here's what has happened. I am, you know, hate saying this. But the devils and demons that encourage that kind of worship are in America right now. I hate saying this. When we think about that, we think about a pagan culture. Pagan, coming from the word of pantheon, or groupings of the gods, many gods. Pagan culture. They don't worship just one, they worship many gods. And in America, that is what has happened. When we kick God out of the schools, all you needed was a generation and God's gone. Because if us older folks, if we all believe in God, but our children growing up not believing in God, the devil has to just bide his time and wait till we all die out, and then they've got it. And so as this void happened in the earth with no Bible, no prayer, no God, and we secularized America, and we basically now are paganized America, America has become a pagan nation. People are worshiping false gods in America right now as we speak. And notice, they're not like the old gods. There are new gods, new gods. They may have the same name as that one from days gone by, but they've changed their name. Baal was also, also known as Zeus. Oh, Ashtaroth, a, a, a god, was also uh, known as Ishtar. And depending on what civilization they were in, at the time, whether it was Egyptian or Roman or was in Syria or Palestine or Egypt, wherever it was at, they changed their names to adapt themselves to that culture. And, and you can see it. All you've got to do is, is, is go on the Internet and you can look up gods. And they made their way around all of the world. And when they got to different places, they got to America, what they find there, they found our Indian brothers and sisters worshiping poles and sticks and trees that they formed and fashioned into gods. We call them what? Totem poles. Right? That became their gods. And you can go all around the world and find the pyramids. You can find everything that's been built and erected around this world. And you'll find that mankind crave to worship something. And if they don't worship the Lord God Almighty, they will make up their own gods. 
And they're, when they make up their own gods, their false gods, the devil is happily to empower those false gods. So that's sort of where I'm coming from when I'm when talking to you this morning. Let, let me give you, go, go back with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Let me, let me give you some prep work here. What, what is a false god then? What is a false god? I, I'm going to make this uh, super spiritual <laughs> as we go on. Uh, the kind of way of ooh, that kind as we go on. But I'm also going to make it super practical as we go on too. Don't confuse the two. Just because you see a practicality, don't think there's not a spiritual reality behind it. When you see something happen in the natural realm, just like healing. Healing is received when in my spirit, in my heart, when I am full fellowship with God and Jesus has touched my heart and my spirit, then it's the natural thing for my body to get healed. In the church, many times, we've attacked it from the flesh, and we wanted to get your flesh healed. We wanted our flesh healed, but we didn't think about our spiritual man. And that's why the Bible says in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16, that when we call for the elders of the church, we know what they're all, says if they've committed any sin. There's a connection to your spiritual life in your relationship to God and the physical things that happen to you around this world. So, so just because I talk about some of the practical, don't rec recognize also there's a spiritual behind it. And, and when you understand that part, you'll get a secret that most of the world doesn't have. You will know it. You will know it. Billy Graham said this a number of years ago. What is a false god? He said, anything can become an idol or a false god to us. That is, anything we put in place of or before God. Well, think about it. If God is God and he... Demands our worship, our love. He, 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 he commands us to honor him, to recognize him, worship and praise him. If I back off of that and I put something else in front of him this day, that has become my God. There are many people not in this church today, but they're still worshiping. They're worshiping their God. That's not in this church. I'm not saying that if you miss church here or there, you're on your way to hell. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is this. When you replace the coming together of the body of Christ, as the Bible has commanded us to do in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, when you replace that, when you replace that with other things, that other thing has become your God. That other thing has become your God. When you replace... Instead of going to the Bible, opening up whatever it might would be, and looking into your horoscope, that horoscope's become your God. You're no longer going to God's Word. You're going to something else. Anything that you, Billy Graham said this, I'm just, anything he said that you put before God or in place of God has become your God. Everybody say, anything I put before God or in place of God has become my God. Whatever that would be. But very simple, very simple. You might say, well, how can I identify God? Listen to this. Ask yourself these questions. I've got four of them. Where do you spend most of your time? Where is most of your time spent? It, you can find what you love where most of your time is spent. Another question. Where do you spend your money? You want to find out where your God is? 
Look at where your money goes. Where does your money go? I mean, do, do we, uh, as you received the offering just a little bit ago and tithes and that kind of stuff, and, you know, that's your opportunity, my opportunity to give and share and bless. I mean, God's blessed our church. Thank God for it. And uh, we don't have any needs. That, that's, that's fine. I mean, personally, we don't have any needs at all whatsoever. I mean, not, not any. God's taking care of us for the rest of our lives. We'll be okay. If we never get another penny, uh, we'll be fine for the rest of our lives. So in terms of need, but, but you need to give. You need to give. One of the reasons that you give, not the only, is to show God I love you. And God forbid if I should spend something else somewhere else, and, and, and let's say I leave today. I mean, anybody notice how much groceries have went up? Anybody notice how much eating out's went up? It's unreal. I mean, Sheila and I uh, go out and eat. A couple weeks ago, we went out and ate just the two of us. We didn't get that big of stuff either, just two of us, $38, just the two of us. I mean, and then I gave a, 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 like a $10 tip, so like $48 so we can go out and eat somewhere. And, and so it just went, wow. But now what if I come to church and I couldn't dare think of giving to church, ever giving them $48? My goodness, what do you think this is? All they want is your money. What do you think that restaurant wants? What do you think? Why are you going there? All they want is your money. What are you going to Walmart for? That devil story, Brother David said. What are you going to Walmart for? All they want is your money. But people say that stuff about the church, don't they? Let me tell you something. And God doesn't ask for that much. It's 10 little measly percent. That's all he asked for. Just 10, a dime out of a dollar. That ain't nothing. Dime out of a dollar. It's not anything. Where's your God? Your money will show where your God's at. Where you spend your time will show where your God's at. I think I went to preaching now. Somebody say amen. I believe I have. Where do I get my joy? Would you drag yourself to church? Ah, do I go, go to church anyway? Where do you get your joy? What's always on your mind? What's always on your mind? What are you thinking about right now that as soon as this pastor lets me out of this church today at 430, what is on your mind? That, I mean, what, what is captivating you? I mean, well, what if when Sheila and I were, were dating as we approached our 49th anniversary and uh, 50 of dating, but 49 of marriage. And so we approach our anniversary, uh, I, and, and I'm dating her years ago, and I said, look, Sheila, it's 7 o'clock. I know I just picked you up. Let's get this date done on the road because i got to get back. I'm going back. And that probably would my first and last date, wouldn't it? Probably would have. What if I said to her, and I showed up at her house to pick her up on our date, and I had four of the girls with me. She said, who are they? I said, well, they're going with us. I, you know, I, I can imagine a number of things she would said there in her unsaved state. But anyway, no. Well, why do we want to share God? You can't share God. I know the world would like to say you can't, but you can't share God. And he's your one and your only. You will have no other gods before me, God says. Not one. Not one. Okay. In fact, let me just give you this one little test. How many here you have either an iPhone or you have... What's the other, the Android? You got one of them. Wave it at me. Wave your hand. Okay. Would you do a little test with me? Would you do a little test? I'm, I'm going to click mine on. It's already on anyway. Okay, anyway. I'm going to click mine on. And on the iPad or iPhone that I've got, you, you go into the settings. Go into the settings. Okay. I'm going there now. Under the settings, it has a thing called screen time. Okay. Click on screen time. When I click on screen time, it tells me how much I've been doing what I've been doing. 
It tells me my average on this phone right now. I got a daily average right here that I've got. And my average on this phone is one hour and 17 minutes. Can you see your screen time? Can you see? I can't see yours. I want to ask you a question. When, when you see that, ask yourself, was that an hour and 17 minutes in, in prayer? I don't have time to pray, Pastor. I don't have time to read the Bible. I, I don't have, and it's got see all activity I can go to now. Oh, wow, it breaks it down to whether I was on YouTube. And I, I listen nonstop to ministries on YouTube nowadays. I do. But it's got me on YouTube. It's got the weather, my settings, my messages that I had, my daily, the weather that I checked, different things I, I've done right there. All on there tells me what I've done. And ask yourself, if you do the same thing with your commitment to God, who's going to win, God or the iPhone? Are we at a time and age where maybe this has become our God? I can't leave home without it. Right? I've got, where's my phone? There's somebody in the house who's got my phone. I've got to find my phone. This whole place is shutting down until I find my phone. It used to be the remote control, didn't it? But now it's the phone. Where's the remote control? Somebody got it. We'll stop everything. Get that remote control. We can't go another minute without the remote control. But now you can't go another minute without your iPhone. Somebody might call you who? What are you, the president of the United States or something? Somebody might call. And then we come to church. And people get calls in church and walk out to the lobby. And I can't get this. Why? Why? I went most all of my adult life and never even thought about that. We didn't have these phones. What do you think we did then? I mean, what we were doing, we were sitting in here in church. Nobody had an iPhone, nothing. We saw smoke signals come up the front. And we all ran out back and said, that's us. Somebody's trying to, no, no. What has happened? Technology has entered our civilization and has begun to take us over and control us and tell us what we'll do and when we'll do it and where we'll do it. Now, as you know, I got an iPhone right, right here. I got an iPad right here. I got uh, a computer at the house. I got a, a notebook computer at the house. I think Shula's got three computers and two iPads and phone. And, you know, we live in technology. You have to have technology. I understand that. But you need to do some serious questioning of yourself. That thing will rob you of your relationship with your family, with your children, with your parents, with your friends. It will, oh, no, I got a lot of friends on Facebook. Come on now. You know they ain't your friend. I mean, you had a hard problem, and, and all they do is praying. Bam. Praying about what? How did you pray? Somebody put a thing on the other day and said, well, we got a prayer request to somebody. And it's an unspoken request. I, I hate unspoken prayers. I don't know how to pray. How am I going to pray if you unspoken prayer? So I just click unspoken prayer behind it. Anyway. I guess that's how you pray for them. But, th but those are questions we've got to ask ourselves. This, this society creeping into us, taking our lives over, telling us how to think, telling us how to speak, what to watch, what to listen, and how to go about our daily lives. And this society will never tell you that God, relationship with God, the Word of God, prayer time, and your church is ever a priority in your life. And if you let all of that infiltrate you,
day in, day out, over and over and over and over again, it'll take over your mind and you'll think it's you. You won't think it's a temptation out there. You'll think it's you. That's what the Bible says in the book of James. That's right, James chapter 1. It tells us we are drawn away when we are tempted of our own lust. That's what tempts us away. It draws us away. God didn't cause us to be tempted to sin. He tempts no man with sin. But we are drawn away when we are tempted to test by our own lust, our own natural things we want to happen in our lives. The devil uses that and nudges at us to pull us away and draw us away from the things of God. All right. Let, let, let's, let's get my text. I'm supposed to be reading it. Look at, look at uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Say, I'm born of God. We understand the person is born of God. He doesn't practice sin. And so I'm not a sinner. I'm not, I, you know, I, I sin not. Have I sinned? Yes. Might I sin again? Maybe. Not planning on it. But we know that whoever is born of God sins not. If I do, I have an advocate with the Father. We understand. But he that is begotten of God keeps himself. You've got to do some keeping of your own self. You do. I mean, my, some of the things that men and women do in life and uh, say, well, I'm falling away from God. Well, I wonder why. What you doing? Look what you're doing. Quit doing that. Qu quit getting your mind filled with the things of the world. It'll take you over. Notice, keep himself and that that wicked one touches him not. I like that. I don't, devil, have any part or lot in my life. How about you? Amen? Devil got nothing in me. Verse 19, and we know that we are of God, but now the whole world lies in wickedness. wickedness. So here we are, believers in God, in a world that's steeped in the devil. Steeped in wickedness and ungodliness. That's why I don't trust anything I hear from the world or those that are involved in the world. Not all. I mean, you, you know, some people ask about how you can uh, stay healthy. One thing I've done, now this is me, you do what you want to do. But this is me. I, I pay no attention to the CDC or Dr. Fauci. In fact, what I hear them say, I tend to do the opposite. And we've learned by now that that's what we should have done all along. Now, now we've learned those kind of things. But now the, the world's not going to tell you that. They're going to say, get on our train. We're riding. You better get on with us. The director of the CDC, the director of the CDC, two days ago announced that after taking like six of the vaccines with the boosters, that she came down with COVID. And they want me to take it? No, I'm not taking it. I'm taking something better than that. It's called Psalms 91, that no plague will come nigh my dwelling. And I'm standing on the word of God. Somebody told me, that, that, well, you ought to use wisdom. That is wisdom. What's well, anything smarter than the word of God? I don't know of anything. Now then, if you don't have a relationship with God, you don't have a relationship with his word, and you don't have a track record of receiving the things of God in your life, you might ought to do the other things. But if your God's been faithful to you, your God's never let you down, and your God's never lied to you, and your God's promised you that he'd be with you in every source and every situation of life, then you can stand on his word and stand there with good faith in your life. Amen. That's where I'm at anyway. You be where you need to be between you, yourself, and your God, the word of God. You do that.
Verse 20. We know that the Son of God has come and hath given us understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him and is true and even in his Son, Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to see. This is true God, eternal life. Verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. God's word translation says like this. Dear children, guard yourself from false gods. New Testament, the Apostle John speaking. Children, keep yourself from those idols. Guard yourself from those false gods. They're out there. They're at the door. What, what did the Bible say at the very first uh, murder in Scripture? And Cain and Abel at that time when they were battling one another. What did God tell Cain? If you do right, you're going to feel right. And if you don't, sin lies at the door. Sin is lying at your door, Genesis chapter 4. It's, it's close to you. It's there. And so it's just waiting on you, giving you invitation to enter into rebellion and in the sinfulness and to the worship of false gods. It's there. And so John says, guard yourself from these things. Don't let them come into your life. Keep up a guard. I don't know that much about football. Brian knows world more than I do, but I know there, there's tackles and there's guards in football. And, and I think the guard's job is to keep everybody away from the quarterback going toward the back. Uh, you, you don't want him to get it, okay? And so you've got to guard him. You and I ought to guard ourselves, have to watch ourselves. You, you've got a television and you turn it to a station and something there that's ungodly, cut it off. Well, I don't think if I watch this one minute, I'll send me to hell with it. You better watch it. You better guard yourself from it. That one minute will turn into 5 and 10 and 20 and 30 and an hour and two hours, you'll be nonstop hooked to that trash. Guard yourself. Guard yourself from those kind of things. Turn me to Exodus chapter 32. There is no way I'll get where I need to be today. But anyway, I'm headed that way. Let me give you some more on those false God stuff. Wrote some stuff down. Well... I'm not worshiping Baal like that. Okay. He don't look like that. He may not be made out of rock or stone or wood, whatever the case may be. He may not look that, like that bull with the horns on it. Which we now got a bull like that up on Wall Street in New York. Stocks are doing good. We call it a bull market. Baal was in charge of the agriculture and the rain and the crops of, of Israel. And they prayed to him to prosper them. And in the world of buying and selling stocks, we chose the bull to be a sign that we're doing well. A bull market, things are going up. A bell market, things are going up. A lot of things have creeped into our society we don't even stop to think about. But, but the, the nuances of them are there. You're, you're, in, you're in Exodus chapter 32. Verse 1. Let me just give you a couple things. I just, I'm going to do this. How many, when you think about a false god, you say, well, who could be a false god? What are some examples of false gods? Let me give you the first example. You and me. We are our own false gods. Some of us, our world rises and shines on us. I am everything you owe me everything because I am so wonderful and great don't you get into my space you have no rights over me I am everything. you can't tell me anything I 
know it all. Praise my holy name. When your identity is in yourself and not in Christ Jesus, you have become your own God. You are not you. Paul said like this, I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. In him we live and move and have our being. I am only valuable to myself or to God or anybody, really, as long as I keep my value in God. I'm only what I am as I live out my life in God himself. And when I get over and start living in Leon and let Leon do his own thing and that kind of stuff, and now Leon's become my God. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care who it hurts. I, you know, I'm going to do what, you know. When we get those kind of attitudes, when it's all about, well, what about me? What about me? What about me? <laughs> Got to be careful with that. Make yourself your own God. And they started the student loan and started, stopped it, started, started uh, the student loan debt forgiveness, which is not a debt forgiveness at all. It's a debt transfer. It's transferring the debt of the people who owe it to those who don't, and then we have to pay the taxes for those who owe it and don't. So it's a transfer. But what everybody would say was, and I'm in the class, and I looked at it because I paid off all my student loans and my children's student loans and everything else. I paid them all. And so when I said, well, wait a minute now. You're going to forgive this debt for that? What about me? Right? Isn't that what we always say? What about me? We didn't think about them and them to get their loans paid. Out, but what about me? You have to be careful with those thoughts that you don't exalt yourself above God. It's not what about me. It's what about God and what does he want me to do in my life and the way he wants me to live in my life. That's where it's at. Let me, let me give another. Of course, we all know this one. Money can easily become a God. Money can easily become a God in our, our lives. In fact, what do we write on our money? We write what? In God we trust, don't we? Now, as Christians, we think he's talking about God the Father. But in the world, they're talking about that dollar. Or, or five or ten dollars won't do much for you more. A dollar, five, a dollar. I'll tell you how little a dollar do for you. I, I got a letter in the mail. Bless her heart, makes me upset. But I got a letter in the mail from a dear friend in ministry who sent me a dollar. And said it was a seed gift to send back to them. And I need to add my money to that dollar to send back to them. And that would be my seed. And I said, whatever you do, include the dollar that we just sent to you. And then said, and if you're in a position where you can't send any money, at the very least, send the dollar back. So you didn't really give me the dollar at all. You've been begging for it back three times in this letter, I said. You didn't even give me the dollar. So, but money, money, money. How can I get your money? Gimmick, 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 gimmick. Money, 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 money. What, what, what the world is after. And we don't watch it, we'll, we'll do the same thing. Money, money. It's like I've told you a, a number of occasions, different kind of things in our life. Uh, you know, we've encountered cir circumstances where we're buying money, this, that, the other. We don't keep it. We don't hold on to it. Uh, I, I spent, for Sheila the other day, I spent almost 45 minutes on the phone for her trying to give a company back $283 that they didn't know they gave her too much. And I spent 45 minutes on the phone because they wouldn't let me talk to this person who talked to this person who talked to that person. And they said, she's got to talk to us. I said, uh -huh. no. She said, that's our rules. I said, it's not ours. My rule is this. You know, I'm helping her with this situation. It's her business. She says she can't get it done, so I'm trying to get you your $283. If you want it back, we'd be glad to give it to you. Right here, well, I can't even talk to you about it, what they said. I said, okay, then. Okay, if you can't, we'll just keep the money then. But that money ain't ours. 
And we eventually got it back to them. And, and so the thing is this, does money stop you from serving God? Does a measly dime out of a dollar stop you from serving God? Does money, when God lays it on your heart to bless somebody and care for them, you say, well, I ain't doing that. No. I mean, where's money at? Oh, Lord. How about job? Status in life. Your job says this, your job says that. I understand. I mean, you know, I don't have time to get into all of that. Talk about working and that kind of thing. Sometimes work calls you to work on Sunday. I understand that. And uh, when I worked in the secular field, I told them, I said, you know, I, I don't work on Sunday. And they said, well, that's fine. But sometimes we do do inventories at year ends and that kind of thing. And sometimes, you know, we might have a special issue. Would you be working? I said, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not going to praise about it. But I'm just not going to have a lifestyle where I'm working on that day. But if the ox is in the ditch, I'm going to work. I, you know, I do, do what, what they need to do. But if I have a job like that, I'm going to find me another job somewhere. Is my job worth more to me than my relationship with God? Got to ask ourselves those questions. What about your physical appearance? Well, and that's another thing. Money, you know, who cares about money, but money's a gauge of it. Do you spend more money? Wow, I talked to a lady, it's been about five months ago. And she had this hairdo done, and I said, wow, that really looks great. I said, I bet that costs you $50, $60. She told me, how about 300 I went, <coughs> $300 for a hairdo? I might pay $300 for some hair. But I don't know about just fixing up what I got. But the sad story is that other, uh, that person that did that for the hair wouldn't give anybody else a dime. Wouldn't give somebody else a dime. So... They want their appearance to look right. Some people do, do a lot of things. I wrote this. They spend hours in the gym, thousands on clothes, hair, makeup, this kind of stuff. We want to look better, younger, look like our favorite uh, celebrity. They kind of spend all kind of money there, all kind of time there, doing that stuff. But shame on us. If we're doing more to make ourselves look a certain way on the inside, we're like a whited sepulcher, the Bible says. On the inside, we're just empty and dull and don't have a presence of God in our life, haven't spent time in prayer, seeking God, reading His Word in church, ministering somebody else, helping somebody else. But, boy, we look good on the outside, man. I mean, we're we doing our best. Is that a God to you? What, 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 about, what about entertainment? Nothing wrong with being entertained. But what about entertainment? Do, do, do we do things in entertainment? Uh, uh, do we ascribe to be like some special entertainer? We know I have a friend, a pastor uh, that's in Chicago, and his son uh, just got accepted to uh, a basketball team. And I was thinking, that's great. That's great. A lot, a lot of people aspire to be like a basketball player or something like that or like a football player or those kind of things. And they, and they charge for that. Shayla and I were in Denver, Colorado several years ago. And we were the company, and the company provided for us that night. And they had a, a major league ball game. They said, you ever been to one? I said, no. They said, you want to go? I said, well, if they have to. And so anyway, they paid tickets for us to go to the major league ball game and bought everything for us and took us out there. While I was there, I said, this looks nice. I said, I think I'll buy a shirt. And so they had this shirt. And it was, I mean, it was a nice shirt. And this was that day, $150 for that shirt. $150 just because it had somebody's name with a ball team on the back of it. Wow. But you know what? Why'd they get it? Because people pay it. 
why people pay it, because they love it. But now if I sit up here and said, I'm going to take about $150 to send to the people down that just had a hurricane in Florida, oh, I can't do that. Now, wouldn't that be a shame? Wouldn't that be a shame on us putting something up? None of these things in of themselves are wrong, but if we can make them all wrong when we put them before God. I mean, you know, that, that guy I was talking about, my preacher friend, pastor friend, I may get him to come down and preach for us one day. He's on TV. Y'all have seen him there before. Named Daryl Scott. But uh, he, uh, his son uh, got accepted on this major, or, or I don't guess call it major league, basketball team, whatever the, the top rims of them things are. It's not NFL, is it? Not AFL. AFC, I don't NBA. There we go. Got accepted on the NBA team. And uh, he talked about what, that, what his son did. You know what his son did to get on there? He said yesterday he was out, and he had like a 69% success rate. But he, in one day, he shot. A thousand hoops a day. That's a lot of work. That young man earned that spot, didn't he? A thousand hoops a day. That's great. And his daddy's a pastor. I'm persuaded he's a good, righteous Christian young man. A thousand hoops a day. But if you and me, is there something we're doing so much more for the world we ain't doing for God? My, my, my. Entertainment, those kind of things. What about government? Some people will absolutely, here in a couple of weeks, if, you're, if your person wins, if your person loses, it will depress you for the next two weeks or a month or next year or whatever. We worship politicians. Make gods out of them. Think they're going to solve all of our problems and do everything for us and fix it for us. I don't know that many of them are fixing it for us. I know some have messed it up for us, but I don't know about fixing it. But, but you, you, know, you, you don't worship politicians. Some people worship the government. What the government tell me to do? What the go- you can't trust the government nowadays. My, they 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 gone crazy. I mean, what, what's the government say about the circumstance? What's their situation? Some people we, we're going for comfort, that kind of thing. In, in the church, I mean, the heat and air. Try being a pastor, setting the heat and air, make everybody happy. First thing I do when I get to heaven is Jesus. I don't talk to you. But what what you got air set on over here? What you got heat set on over here? But we all different. But we want to be comfortable. We want to be comfortable. If I ain't comfortable, man, that's just it for me, man. I got to be comfortable. Those kind of things. And then phones, technologies, dealt with those kind of things. Our online presence that we got, Facebook. Want everybody to like me. Get all these likes and all this stuff on Facebook and Twitter and uh, TikTok. That's a wild one now. If you ever seen TikTok, these people are crazy on TikTok. They gathered all the nuts of the world and put them on TikTok, I believe. I don't know. I just got on it yesterday. But anyway, some people, listen, listen carefully, some people are family and children, head of God. Family and children, head of God. You love your family. You love your children. Parents, you give your life for them. But you don't worship them. I love my wife. But you know what? I'm on my way to heaven. I'll make sure she goes with me. If she chose not to, I'm not staying with her and going to hell. I'm not doing it. I love her. And we were to recognize that our children in this life, they don't run our lives. They don't tell you what they're going to do. You tell them what they're going to do. You do that. That's when you really love them, really honor them. But some people will, will make idols out of their family. 
I can't tell you. I mean, it's, it's not a giant-sized lot, but at least probably this many that I've heard over the years of people saying, well, you know, I can't come uh, to church anymore. My, my wife don't want to come, and I'm just going to stay home with her. Or my husband won't come, and he wants to do this. He wants to do that on Sundays, and we come to church. We can't do this. We can't do that, so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to just have to go with him. And they trade it off, the relationship with God, because of a relationship with their family. What did that make your family? That made them higher than God, didn't it? Other things that you can look at. Look at Psalms, oh, I'm sorry, Exodus 32. I'm going to read in a couple of verses, and then we're going to shut it down. I'll have to talk about it the next time. Exodus chapter 32. Moses, the children of Israel, and false gods. Moses, the children of Israel, and false gods. Moses, when he brought the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, he had went to get God's law on how to live at the top of Mount Sinai. While he was there, he was there a little bit too long for their comfort. And so they began to think of some other things they could do while Moses tarried in his coming down. Moses had been on top of the mountain at this time 40 days. He had been at the very top with God. Joshua, his servant, had went up a little ways with him, but he had went the rest of the way. You always got to know that. In your journey with God, there's some people who will go with you a little ways, but don't expect them to go all the way. That's your place with God. That's your secret place that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6, where you enter your closet and you shut your door. You pray to your Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. It's that relationship that you need with God, you and God together. Moses was there, but the people were not. In Exodus 32, verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron. Aaron didn't go up, although he's also in ministry with Moses. He's going to be in a very high elevated spot with Moses, but he didn't go up. And said to him, up, make us gods. We want gods, something we can worship, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, King James Version says, what not? No, we know not. We know not what is become of him. So if we don't have Moses and the real thing that's already proven our deliverance by bringing us out of Egyptian bondage, we don't have him, Aaron, that didn't go up to the top of the mountain, at this time anyway, didn't go to the top of the mountain, you make us a god. Men and women want gods. They may not call it church. They may not call it relationship with the one and almighty God. They may not call it prayer or Bibles, but they want God. Something in people cries out for something more than what they are. It's in all of mankind at the moment they are born and will continue to be there unless there's a searing of the conscience in certain forms and fashion we could talk about. But what they're doing, listen to this. If you find yourself having an offense at a true spiritual leader, beware that you're being pulled away by a false god. We don't know where Moses is at. He brought us out, and we don't know nothing about him anymore. Moses was a true spiritual leader, but now they're being pulled away from him to worship these other false gods. Be very, very careful. I'll have to use me as an example. I don't like that, 
But anyway, use anyone that you look up to and respect, and I hope you do me, honestly I do, but use anyone that you look up to and respect and honor as a servant of the Lord. They are not perfect. I'm not. People make mistakes, but you look at their heart, and if their heart is turned toward God, and you recognize in them that they love the Lord God and want to do with the sincerity and the honesty of their heart to serve Him, please Him, and minister to you. If you recognize that in that person, be very careful if something else tries to pull you away from that because you're about to enter a false god. You understand what I'm saying? Not that men and women are, are just glorified and perfect on this earth. That's not going to happen. Moses had his issues. He killed a man before he got here, right? He had his issues. He ran from God 40 years. He, he had them. But now he is seeking God. He's following after God with all that he knows to do for the people. And now these same people are being drawn unto a false God. Look at the rest of the verse. In Exodus 32, verse 2. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in your ears of your wives and of your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. And all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. After he had made it a molten calf, and they said, These be our gods or thy gods, O Israel which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now, they just told me, verse 1, that Moses did that, didn't they? But now they've transferred the blessing that was in their life as they followed Moses. They're transferring it now to something they've made with their hands. That's what happened when you begin to worship false gods. Well, you know what? Pastor, I'm just as happy at home watching television and with my family on Sunday mornings than I am at church. You swap something out. You changed something out. You went to another God. And you said, now this is what gives me happiness. This is what gives me my joy. Look at look at it. Look, last, last one, verse 5. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. I, I mean, we'll see it in a moment here. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow's a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow. And offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and they rose up to play. That word that I just read you out of the King James language is a very 1611-ish word, prudent word that basically means, and look at other translations I have, they rose up for sexual immorality. That's what they did. We'll find a little bit later. We won't do it today. We'll find a little bit later today when Moses come down, and this is the word it uses. Now, use South Carolina language. South Carolina language. He came down, and when he found them all, they were all naked. So, what you think they were doing when they were playing? It, it don't take a lot of imagination to know what's going on, right? The false gods can offer you sometimes, in a worldly way, pleasure. And that's what they're getting. They're enjoying this. My, what are they doing? Look. Look. Look what they're doing. They're eating. How many likes to eat? I do. Somebody say amen. They're drinking. I, I love to have something to drink. Coke, whatever. Whatever. And they're 
<coughs> right? They are tying one on, aren't they? They are partying, aren't they? As, uh, <laughs> as Grady Wilson told Lamont one time, there'll be no orgies in this house. That's what's going on. That is what is going on. And they're doing it around a false god, this bull of a thing that they made. And, and, and they asked Aaron what happened to it and how did it happen. Aaron said they, they just made the fire. He's going to talk to him a little bit and he'll give his explanation to Moses when he put brains on the carpet. What would you do? He said, I don't know. We just made this fire and this bull walked out. That's how he explains it. Wasn't his fault at all. Made the fire and the bull work. What'd that do? Make y'all take your clothes off and y'all go pitching fits and all this kind of stuff y'all did? I mean, have an HIV forest around here? Is that what you're trying to do? All this stuff. But notice it. Listen carefully because I'm going to get Aaron and then we'll fix him up next time. Beware of leaders. Might I say Christian leaders? Who are not in the presence of God. Okay. But they want to accommodate people with false gods. They're not following holy after God. And the people say we want this. And the religious false leader says. I'll fix a way to get it for you. I'll make it easy for you. I'll do this for you. All of these things. There are con men out there. People who claim to be sheep and they are wolves and ravenous clothesmen, the Bible says. They're not the real deal. Our eyes have to be open. Jesus said this, he talked about, he said, you will know them by their fruits. You know them by their fruits. And right now in the day we're in, there's a lot of people offering everybody everything. I mean, you want to turn on Christian TV, they'll promise you everything in the next five minutes. I mean, we do, we, they do it. They do it. They promise you. Every, I mean, if you a lot of them, if you give them a certain amount of money or a certain amount of dollars or this, that, and the other, they promise you it's all going to be taken care of in the next five minutes. Well, it won't be taken care of in the next five minutes. If you honor God with your money, if you use wise stewardship over the money that you've got or how you spend it, keep it, save it, invest it, then, yes, things will happen for you in a positive direction. It may not happen overnight because the hole you dug didn't get there overnight. But they don't tell you that for everybody that gives in the next five minutes. Oh, God, I feel this thing. In the next five minutes, everybody that gives is going to get this amount. All your debts can be paid off. Well, all my debt didn't get paid off that way. No, it didn't. It got paid off as I earned money, took that money, spent it on debts, then spent it on other things, and finally paid all my debt off. I mean, you know, get, get real with some of this stuff. There are people out there who will tell you anything and everything as people are rushing to find false gods. And they'll come up with them. Now you can go to churches right now. You can go in there. My God, it's unbelievable. I hate saying this. I got four of them. I may show them to you. I got four of them on video. <laughs> My God, help us. The Episcopal Church, the Lutheran Church, the United Methodist Church, and the Presbyterian Church. Not all of them of uh, not every denomination that has every church would fit into this category, even though they may be Presbyterian, even though they may be Methodist, even though they may be Episcopal, even though they may be Lutheran. Okay? You do have some exceptions and different things. So I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush, but I am saying this. Those four groupings of church, I have videos of them, of two Sundays ago, 
when they wanted to have this general theme that went out in the high churches, we call them high churches, ecclesiastical type churches, when, when we had the same thing going to that everybody is valuable and everybody is wonderful, everybody's good, those four churches, I have four videos, and in all four of them, drag queens did the services. In the house of God. My, my, my. So there are people that'll tell you anything and everything is all right. You just got to find, say if this is what the right church or really the wrong church. There are people that'll do that. There are people who will never mention sin. They will never tell you anything is wrong. They will tell you, you're okay, you're all right, everything is fine. It's okay, it's right. But to tell you something, that's not how it's going to be on the day of judgment when we stand before God. It won't be men and women like me or you that's saying everything's right okay. It will be God Almighty that will judge us. And he's already told us how the outcome of that judge is going to work out. We can find it in the Bible. And he tells us what passes the mustard and what doesn't. He tells us what is the real and the righteous and the good and the holy. And he tells us what is the wicked and the defiled and the abomination. Be careful. There are false gods out there that are after us. bunch more I got to share to have to come next week. Let's stand up on our feet and go before the Lord in Jesus' name. Oh, God, in Jesus' name. Oh, my Lord. My God, my God, my God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord God, we stand before you as a people, Father God, that want to serve you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and body. Lord God, we, we stand before you, Lord, in our humanity, Lord God, in, in this world that we've been born and raised in. Lord, our mind has been taught to think by this world, Father. Lord God, we have radio ways, television ways, internet ways that tell our mouth what to say. Lord, so many things in this world, Lord God, are against us, Lord, and it's all coming to us in disguise, Lord God. It all comes to us in lies, Lord. And God, I pray in Jesus' name, may our eyes be opened, O oh Lord, our ears be wide open to the voice of God, to the word of God, to the presence of God, that we would know the right from the wrong. And Almighty oh God, may we reject the wrong and run toward the right. Almighty God, stretch your hands toward heaven. Everybody pray this prayer. Me say, Dear Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord God, search out my heart and my life. Anything in me, not like Jesus. Take it away. Wash it with your blood. Cleanse me, Almighty God. Lord God, anything in my history or in my mind, my thinking, my mental makeup, anything that has been touched by this world, Indeed, by the devil himself, Lord God, take it away from me. May my eyes see clearly. May my ears hear the truth. May I be drawn toward righteousness and goodness and holiness and the standards of God's word. Lord God, I resist. I come against all the false gods of this world. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord God. As for me, we will have no other gods before you, almighty God. I worship you and you alone. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. Good to see you. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent 
your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.